Welcome to the Future Learning Design Podcast. Inequality assurance around the world, around education, will have to fundamentally change because the structure of education system will change what pace, what speed that will differ from one place to another. But you have to realize that you have to change right now and you have to cope up with the new ways of learning. Hi again, welcome back. Glad you could join us again for another episode. And this week, it's a great privilege to be speaking with Dr. Abdullah Al-Karam, who is the chairman of the board of directors, director general of the Knowledge and Human Development Authority in Dubai. Dr. Abdullah and KHDA are responsible for a wide spectrum of education in Dubai's private sector, spanning early learning, school and higher education and training institutes. Dr. Abdullah has the distinction of holding key positions across the United Arab Emirates, as well as being a board member of the National Qualifications Authority of the UAE Federal Government. He was also appointed to the board of the Social Sector Government of Dubai, and has recently been nominated a member of the Higher Committee for Protection of the Rights of People with Disabilities. Previously, Dr. Abdullah held positions in various government sectors, including Vice Chairman and Secretary General Hamdan bin Rashid Al Maktoum Award for Distinguished Academic Performance and Chairman of the Dubai Government's Human Resources Committee. He was also a member of the World Economic Forum's Global Agenda Council on Education. Prior to the formation of KHDA, Dr. Abdullah held the post of CEO of Dubai Knowledge Village, which ushered in the International Branch Campus with a remit to diversify the education landscape in Dubai. Before that, Dr. Abdullah headed the research unit at Dubai Internet City and began his career working as a software engineer in the United States and France. Dr. Abdullah holds a PhD in computer engineering from the University of South Carolina. Hi, Dr. Abdullah. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I know you're a very busy man. And it's extremely interesting to be able to chat for the podcast. I'd love to just start with the fact that we've obviously all experienced a phenomenal challenge over the last 12 to 18 months. And with KHDA over there in Dubai, I just wondered if there were any particular things that have come out for you as big pieces of learning from the pandemic about the needs of learners or families or schools that you and the team there have learned? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, it's uh, we are all still learning through this one. But maybe the one thing that really, you know, things that we take it for granted, we always thought about a school is a place where you go and get schooling. You know, you do your math and science and get the exams. And, you know, sometimes kids maybe didn't want to go to school, you know, they, they don't want to go today. And very often they really find the reason not to go, for example. But during this pandemic, I think it showed to the students themselves how important it is to actually go to school. And school is more than just a school where you get schooling. A school is a place where you interact with friends, you know, you, you socialize, you play sport. So I think the thing we took for granted is that that really this pandemic showed. And, and we seen that when it was about the time to start going back and the few days that the kids went back, they really have valued this more than any other times because maybe this is the longest they ever had time off from school you know it could be in our case could be maybe six months from march till september another place could be longer so 
So I think the point is, is we, we really now value more the physical side of schooling. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It, I mean, it's become really clear that it's such a community role that, that the school has, right? In terms of those human relationships and support networks and all of those things, which we've really missed out on. Yeah, interesting. And then in relation to obviously the pandemic has also prompted everybody to really seriously take a look at what they do in terms of pedagogy and curriculum and think deeply about that and in the uae you have a clearly very ambitious innovation agenda across the whole country but particularly with education and with khda really i would say from my observations there's a a big emphasis on innovation within your organization in terms of thinking about as a result of the pandemic or even perhaps before what KHDA is thinking about and investigating in terms of more of those innovations within education or schooling or perhaps you know workplace development organizational development and all of those aspects yeah Tim I think we we started sort of looking at what the future is basically three four years ago the government took a strong stand about we want to be into the future you know the as Highness said the future is for those who can imagine it design it and live it you know and that's what's written on the facade of the museum of the future if you have yeah. seen that so Dubai have done that and created you know ministers for the future and AI so we started and there was some good attempts uh, let's say you know our 10x project where we want to be ahead by 10 years, 10x, and we started the Rahal, which basically, you know, you learn in your own space. Later on, we had the, the Reg Lab, where we look at future regulations in partnership with the provider directly, so to co-write the regulation, you want to say, that is yeah. the future. Uh, also, we had later on the creation of the Future Council for Education among the Future Council for other segments of Dubai. Yeah. All of these efforts has been done prior to COVID. So when COVID yeah. came around, actually, we We've seen how these efforts were amplified in a way that, you know, we can, Rahal could be scaled up because literally everybody was Rahal because you don't go to school. Yeah, of course. <laughs> in the sense, you know, the, the future of education council, we used to meet, you know, every month, every few months and talk about it. But mm-hmm. I found myself during a pandemic talking about it every single day yeah. because that's what the discussion, what the future yeah. holds for us. Well, the future and the pandemic is what tomorrow holds for us. Yeah. So yeah. in the reg lab, absolutely. I think we start looking at regulations, you know, during mm-hmm. the pandemic. Yes, you have a regulation, fine, but they're not going to help us right now. You know, so for most of the things we've done outside, I think those three files sort of were before, but found their space and people can connect to those files more than any other time. And I think a lot of it has to do with, with living the pandemic and living the future and living uncertainty, you know, and, and trying to, to get on with it. Yeah, we, we realized we had, had to be agile and pivot quickly, right? And one of those things I really appreciate about having been to Area 2071, um, you, you've got down there one of the corridors along the one of the walls saying uh, co-designing the future in big letters and and I find that really interesting that idea of co-design bringing people together in order to develop something in a really collaborative way and as you say in terms of the future council and, and I think that's something that really important now and as we've seen with all these networks across the world with people discussing and trying to imagine what might serve our needs as we move forward. So I just wondered if you had any thoughts there about that idea of co-design 
and trying to act as a as a kind of node in the network to bring people together. Yeah, I think, you know, when we were, I mean, we used to do that even before the pandemic. We used to get schools together yeah. on our platform, which is called What Works, basically an appreciative inquiry. We mm-hmm. realize in Dubai we are so fortunate to have such a diverse and at the same time such a small boutique system. So you have 300,000 kids, you have 200 schools, but you have 17 different curriculums from everywhere, the US, Australia, and, and, and everywhere. So it's such a rich boutique system. And we realized a long time ago that this system will only get better if we become the platform by where they show they share what they are doing. Regardless of your curriculum, at the end of the day, you are teaching kids, right? There's teacher, there are kids, there are... And we realized that early on that this is the key for the community and the education system to get better. It is what they call the summation of the efforts, but it needs to be organized. So you're what they call your collective professional effort as a teacher's as a principles, as a government, is the summation of all of that will give you a better system. And I think during the pandemic, we have seen even more important how that platform, I mean, okay, it moved online and we, we do it what works on a specific topic, but we found it so keying when we were about to come back to school and saying, okay, here is the guidelines, here is the protocol. For most of them, there are health and safety protocol. It's not as much as an education protocol. It's a safety and mask and distances. But how would you implement that? And, and this is where we realized how the school sort of came through. Okay, we can do it this way. We can do it this way. We can do it this way. So I think that we find during this that we are really in this together, not because during the pandemic. Anyway, we've been in this together for the long haul. It's just we've been challenged with something and now it's very specific and we need to come around it. Absolutely. I think we can all get better whether pandemic or not pandemic. We are all professionally collaborate and create this sort of a professional capital, if you want to say. That's absolutely from we, we realize that because this pandemic brought us closer than ever before, but also made us focus on what matters the most to, to all of us. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I actually spoke with Andy Hargreaves last week about professional capital, and I totally agree. I think that's such an important part of us getting better as a whole system in terms of co-designing together is to bring those assets and, and build, up, build up the assets that we have. And as you say, even with regards to even health and safety, it's the people who really know what works are the people on the ground with the students every day. And we can harness some of those ideas. Yeah, great. And perhaps then I can move on slightly because you mentioned that idea of regulation. And of course, you know, in, in systems, we not only want the innovation, but we also have to have some kind of regulatory systems and accountability. And clearly, KHDA plays that role as well in terms of inspecting schools. And it, it is quite a rigorous regime, right, in terms of the inspection process and the high standards. And I just wondered what your reflections were, because you, you're known for being somebody clearly very committed to innovation and forward thinking and an aspiration for what might be next. But how do we balance that idea of 
actually seeing what's happening on the ground right now in terms of ensuring the standards and standards are being met whilst also growing and developing and experimenting in a way right because we can't find out what works in the future without some degree of safe to fail experimentation right now and so i just wondered what your thoughts were on that tension you know i mean when when we come to an inspection you know i mean or the quality assurance let's put it that yeah is you know as the saying goes you know you, you need to measure what you treasure you know I, i think there when we started this process 15 years ago you know we're coming to a landscape where we don't know the difference between this school and that school mm. and we needed to find an information and not about as much as an input as much as an output What are you getting out of the school and that school as a parent? Because that piece of information was missing and a largely private education offering. So from the very get-go, we were focused absolutely on the outputs. The schools were free to do some of the inputs and some because of other regulation, they were not maybe. So I think, and even before the pandemic started, we started looking at well-being as part of, yeah. of an output. Yeah. You know, we started looking at innovation. We started in creativity. We started looking at that. And we, before the pandemic, we thought, look, this tool has served us to this point. But going down the road, we need to start looking at how can we get more out of it, whether it's the same tool or change the tool. Mm-hmm. So the thinking process already started before the COVID. I think with COVID, absolutely emphasize that what matters to us is not only academic. And, and this pandemic was not about academic at all. You know, it was about well-being. And now you talk about it. And, and this is what people will realize after this mm-hmm. is all done with. It's not anymore the pandemic or the medical side that you should be worried about. It's about the well-being. Yeah. And this is what people yeah. were talked about. So absolutely, I think we will continue mainly on, on the outcome, measurements, and not for the sake of just purely measurement for the sake of saying, okay, well, you know, this outcome was achieved because of that, or this outcome achieved yeah. because of that, not the yeah. other way around. Yeah. And absolutely, and I think this this is this is really not only for our quality assurance, but any quality assurance around the world, around education, will have to fundamentally change because the structure of education system will change. Okay, it, the change start happening now to what pace, to what speed that will differ from one place to another. But you have to realize that you have to change right now and you have to cope up with the new ways of, of learning. Yeah, as interesting as maybe a shift from measuring and counting the inputs and even some of the outputs actually really focusing then on the outcomes or in, in the NIASC or ACE learning language, the impacts. So what are the impacts that we're having on young people? And as you said, I completely agree. We have to know which processes and systems that we're putting in place are actually resulting in those impacts. Because if we're if we're not sure, then we can't scale those in terms of innovation to other places, right? And and share that good practice. And yeah, no, that's very interesting. And I know having visited your offices, clearly you have many of these things like well-being for example you really moved forward in terms of actually investing in what that might mean for a workspace i find that an interesting aspect of khda as well it's obviously it's not just a school network body it's also an organization with employees and, and it's an environment and a culture within a company or the organization itself and i got the sense from visiting that you've you've really thought about that and invested in some of those things around perhaps using it as an incubator for thinking about what works again but these ideas of 
open plan offices and well-being as a high priority as you move around as a gym equipment and you know lots of different services to support well-being for the employees um, but also holacracy because I know you've done some work experimenting with that and again I would just love to invite you to say a bit about your thinking behind that as you know treating KHDA as an organization trying to work with the culture but also maybe using it as an incubator for other innovations that perhaps could go into schools. Yeah, and I think, you know, Tim, we started this way back for one reason, you know, for the reason that, you know, we need to see change happen. And we need to practice. We need mm. to practice. And I, and, and I keep reminding, I don't know if I'm repeating the story, but maybe you've heard it before, you know, when when long time ago, a woman went to see Mahatma Gandhi and, you know, took her kid with him and said, you know, please tell my kid he's eating too much sugar is not good for him. And I said, okay, fine. Um, he was puzzled for a while. And then he said, okay, can you come back to me in a few weeks' time? So, uh, fine. She goes and she comes back in a few weeks' time. And then she said, do you remember me? Yeah. He said, yeah, you are the, with a kid who eats too much sugar. So where is he? Okay, here's here. Sit down. He tells the kid how sugar is bad for him. And he should do this to avoid it. and should do that. and Give him some tips. And off you go. Fine. But halfway back home, the woman turned back and went to Gandhi and said, look, if it was that easy, why did you have to keep me waiting for all these weeks? He said, well, it's not that easy. Ask me about it because I had to try it on myself before I preach about it. So I wanted those weeks to try it on myself. So it's the same thing here. You know, before you go in and telling people, uh, you should try it. You know, it's not, it's not as selfish, but, it's, but you should be the example. You should try it for yourself. Mm-hmm. But also it's very important that when we've done all of these things, we believe as an organization, the best thing we have is the people we have. Yeah. And, th- and the people we have, and the creative, innovative, you know, people are coming out of colleges right now or changing to change mm-hmm. careers. They want to stand for the traditional way. They want the new way. So it was in a way also a way to recruit the young and the brightest people. And the way to tell them is this is you, how you're going to work, whether it's through self-management or through open space. So it's the same thing we want to do with the schools. If the schools want to do that because they want to recruit the best teachers or the best students because your hardware and software kind of physical and operating model in in the establishment should tell a lot. So I think for for the establishment or or the schools who wants to be that the future, I think they need to exemplify that. And this is maybe one of the things that we, we sort of, experimented in a way but also showcased and places that we learned that they didn't work that way for us and as you rightly said as you said when you came in you had that first impression but you also had a lasting impression afterward and and that's what the thing we would like to play our part sometime Mm -hmm. not as a regulator or convening but also as an organization that actually yes take it to heart to move to take the go forward, you know, stretch the, the, the boundaries a bit, uh, not afraid about failing and trying it on ourselves before we go on and tell you what to do about yeah. it. So, yeah. 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 Very good. I, I like that idea of being both an experimenter, but also a showcase to kind of see what's working, but then also be able to highlight what hasn't worked. I think, yeah, that's really important, right? In terms of modeling as a system or an organization, that you fundamentally, um, for the young people we work with, we want to kind of role model that. And have there been certain things, for example, with the idea of holacracy and that, that whole idea of self-management, which for me, I've done lots of work with Agile and thinking about the place of Agile in schools. And, and holacracy has some 
commonalities there with self-managing teams and thinking about the structure of organizations in general but have there been certain pieces of learning that you've already gained from your experiments with that KHD? Yeah, absolutely and I think you know look we only learn from the things that don't work yeah. that's, that's how you learn, right and I think for self-management yes we've learned We've learned a whole lot. I mean, we're still learning right now. Yeah. But one of the key points that self-management has sort of brought to service that in, in the old system, which is not self-management by directed, uh, people can hide behind things and can hide behind structure. Yeah. Or the other way around, people who are accomplished, they are not coming out. Yeah. So what Halatrasi did, self-management brought the best out of people, but also showed, unfortunately, the worst out. So it's, it's actually such a transparent system. It showed nobody can hide behind anything anymore. You are what you do, and that should be very obvious to people. So it did. It, for, for the majority of people, it did. For the others, it sort of removed the blanket or the cover, if you yeah. want to say. But, but that's something we should accept at the beginning. We should yeah. accept that there will be X percentage of people. We will be finding out about this, and some mm-hmm. people will hide behind it. You know, it's a tax you pay, but you have to understand you have to pay that tax. And yeah, and we learn from that. Among other stuff, like, you know, the open spaces, the things that we are working on, and we continue to work on. And as I said before, we're only going to learn if we're finding things that doesn't work, whether we knew this will happen or we don't know. But the best learning I've got is from the things we did not think about. Yeah. And from the people who we did not think about them that way, if you want to say that. Absolutely. My best learning always in life happened in a situation where I don't expect it from (laughs) the situation. Hang on a second. I, I, I went for that experiment for something. And that's usually the things that you want to look for because, you know, when, when something happens, it comes because you didn't think about it. You didn't prepare for it. It's not the things that you prepared for. It's the things you didn't prepare for that gets you down or lifts you up in a way that you never thought about. Yeah, thank you. That's really interesting reflections because I, I think that idea of unintended consequences somehow you know because we we know we're living in this VUCA world and complexity and I think there's a very real and strong dynamic now that there are so many unintended consequences of things that we think are going to work in this particular way but actually there are these other things that pop up and we didn't didn't expect and probably couldn't have expected but the only way to really understand them is to actually move forward and try things and reflect and learn yeah, and that's fascinating. And that idea of hiding behind the structure, I think I agree that there's certainly safety in the structure. Very interesting. But I'd also, I just wondered if, as you were talking there, I was thinking of that idea of transparency in relation to innovation and that idea of being transparent as an organization. Do you feel that that supports that innovation? Or do you feel that perhaps that makes people feel a bit more risk averse? Because if, if everything's on show, and everything's transparent, do you feel that they can actually take that leap into that sort of unknown and innovate? Or do you feel that it actually does the opposite and makes them more risk averse, not wanting to try anything? Well, you know, it's a very, it it's, it's depends on a person, on the others, you know, yeah. and I think yeah. you find different people. So I guess it's for some people, they want to go all the way out transparent and some people mm-hmm. want a little bit comfort factor. 
And, and I think it's, a, it's good to be more sort of give the people the freedom, you know, give them yeah. the choice. Eventually, yeah. they will come through. But, you know, you don't you, you don't want to pressurize them. In the, again, it's the outcome that matters. Yeah. So I think it will depend from one person to other as long as it's done for the right reasons. Yeah. And, you know, not every time you'll do things right, but yeah. all the time you should do it for the right reasons. Yeah. So I guess <laughs> when it comes into transparency, it's, it registered differently to different people. And we need yeah. to give that differentiation in a way and uh, with the belief that over a period of time it should open up more it should be more transparent but that's something only with time and with trying things out people get more comfortable of doing yeah very good and then i'd love to then just ask you a question about leadership and management in relation to that because i think that's such an important piece of this in terms of people who are leading these organizations and actually some of these things we've been discussing here may be a bit uncomfortable to certain people who've a bit more used to and safe within that idea of a command and control management style and actually some of these things require a little bit more letting go you know it's not not irresponsibility but that idea of letting go to some extent to allow things to emerge and experimentation to happen etc and i just wondered there what your reflections were about that in terms of the kinds of characteristics or skills or competencies that our leaders will need as we move forward into more of this kind of complexity and agility and responsiveness to change. Yeah, and I think, look, this is a very important topic, you know, the, the leadership. And I think with the pandemic, it has showed what, I mean, some we, we've changed our even prospective. And there is no management school. There's no leadership course around the world will teach you. How to, but I think the one thing that we also take strength from the leadership of the system itself, of, of, of Dubai itself. Mm-hmm. And our leadership has been really forthcoming for all these years when they wanted happiness is very most important. So our leadership and Sheikh Mohammed has been from the very get-go is pushing mm-hmm. agendas, whether it's the first minister for happiness, innovation, not. And what yeah. we find here is the other way around. We actually, I don't know, elsewhere in the world you would go and you find people want to do this, but their leadership might, I don't know, it's very hard <laughs> to. Here we have the other way around. Our yeah. leadership, alhamdulillah, mashallah, is really, every day there is something yeah. new, you know, mm-hmm. these yeah. sort of things. And we also somehow, as, in, as responsible, we're trying to catch up, yeah. you know, with them. Yeah. So, but in a way, it makes our task much easier. Mm-hmm. So if we are going to go into innovation and we talk about self-management and we're going to talk about this, yeah. okay, well, the leader said, try that. The leader says, it's okay to fail, but to learn. Because we sort of have an alibi <laughs> for the things we're yeah. doing. It makes our job much, much, much easier. But that came from there. It would have been difficult the other way around. So I think when we talk about the leadership, as we talked about school, it's about the summation. It's about the collectiveness yeah. that comes together. But it needs to come from the very top and need to come on the topic that matters the most and in times that matters the most. So timing and topics are very, very important. You don't want to miss the train. And you need to deal when you have crisis because this is where leaders come out. Mm -hmm. And this is where you believe sometimes Mm -hmm. in every leader, there is a greater one. That greater one only will come when the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I think actually that difference again in kind of agility, you know, a leader needs to be able to adopt one type of approach in a crisis, for example, versus when things are perhaps more stable. And promoting innovation, I guess, is part of that dynamic. You know, when do we promote innovation and how are we responding to the crisis first? But then actually maybe a crisis is quite a good time to start looking at 
what we can do differently to move it forward and all of those things that require different competencies and expertise from the leadership but that's interesting that you have a mandate for innovation coming from the very top and that's a useful kind of ecosystem to be working in and then finally i'd love to just ask you about teachers because obviously you know they are as you said we are only as good as the people that we work with and who work for us and we're trying to build that professional capital of our teachers and the teachers obviously have had a huge and challenging situation responding within the pandemic and have responded incredibly in so many ways to pivot and adapt to distance learning with real challenges around engagement of students or trying to reach the harder to reach students and all of the different aspects that we know have been really challenging for our teachers and again that idea of well-being and supporting the well-being of students and and teachers where do you see the role of the teacher ultimately now going as we come hopefully out the other side of this pandemic because i think that's for me that's a key part of this question about where education goes because that role of the teacher is so central or has been i was just wondering what your thoughts were on that and where that might evolve in terms of the different aspects of the role of a teacher and what that might look like as we uh, go go forward and i think as, as i talked earlier when we started this podcast and look you know we took things for granted now we appreciate mm. the schooling is is a place where yeah. like, the same thing that goes with the teacher sometimes we took it for granted you know yeah. uh, we did not see what the teacher go through mm. and in this pandemic it's not only about the teachers as a role or their role to teach your kids mm. but also their their role to, to to take care of their own kids at home and their family so they were doing two in the same time so a recipient and provider of mm. the service but this shows where really you need the teacher and, and you, need, you need to step up. And I think in the past, we sort of, okay, well, you know, you drop the kids to school, you basically, you'll only hear what happens in the classroom when the kids come home and have a mm. conversation mm. Over, over a dinner or something. But now you see the teacher alive. You see them yeah. delivering to your kids. Yeah. You see the preparation they do. You see the hard work. You see what they have. We actually sort of, you know, we're living the life of a teachers yeah. through the pandemics. It really was awakening to many people mm. for those who took that role for granted. But it's also, it was great for the teacher because right now they are teaching kids at home with their family and the, the you know, they're seeing them, you know, okay, waking up, doing all of that. You really don't, you don't get to see that part of the students, right? Mm-hmm. You see them coming in, they cleaned up, they look nice, yeah. you know, they're yeah. behaving, their classroom. But no, they are normal environments, you know, which basically yeah. is, just, and, and I think one thing that we're always happy to have is, is the teachers we have in Dubai. I mean, we have teachers coming from 200 different nationalities. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're coming by a choice and they're coming. And as we heard them before, they're all coming to Dubai to teach kids globally. So they, they're becoming a global teacher in Dubai. And that's what was enriching their experience, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think with this also pandemic and also to deal with not only the kids, but to deal with their parents and their mm-hmm. parents' approach to the pandemic, whether they are starting to send their kids. Or so it's, it opened up. It's not anymore the kid I am working with. It's the kid and the family. And, and, yeah. and not in a normal situation. I'm dealing with them and maybe getting exposed to what happened at household and knowing the social and emotional component where they go. So it really have deepening their interaction between the teacher and home, which is very important and very essential because 
you know, when I teach a kid, at the end of the day, he's a kid. Mm. So did he get a good night's sleep? Did he have a breakfast? Did he talk to his friends? Because that makes the learning different. Mm. When I come to in the class, I don't know any of those factors. So I think, yes, definitely this, this pandemic showed how important, how mm. crucial is the role of the teachers. And not only in the classroom, but above and beyond in, in the kids' livelihood, you know. So great appreciation has been given to teachers. We continue to go. And I think the interaction between the teachers and parents has not been like this before ever. The, I mean, those teachers were dealing, you know, like CEOs or the principals that go doing that. They were dealing with so many things, protocols, this, that keeping dealing with the pandemic not anymore just teaching the subject itself so yeah. it's highly highly appreciative and no matter what yeah. we say we're still going to be short of thanking them all the efforts that they have been putting so far yeah thank you i totally agree it's, it's been a really challenging but uh, enriching but but deeply challenging experience for many people and as you say that juggle of so many different elements has been really incredible but do you see do you see the role of if we take it slightly removed from that kind of specific teachers who you know been obviously doing this wonderful job just thinking in terms of the role of the teacher as you were talking about there in relation to well-being as one aspect or in relation to content knowledge or personalizing learning or innovation and do you see that role of the teacher as as a kind of job description if you like evolving and changing in the future absolutely and and i think maybe this is maybe for me the most important part that i've learned during the pandemic that the education system the relationships in the education system be the student be the teacher be the parents be the school mm. that relationship over I don't know, the hundred years or so has become so exclusive in nature that this pandemic has really broke that exclusivity or opened it up. I mean, you know, nobody can convince me that this didn't happen, that a kid may be sitting in a class of his sister or her, her brother. They sit in that. Nobody can convince me that the teacher did not teach other kids in somewhere else, whether the husband not feeling well or whatever. All of this did happen. So the relationship we had that a kid can only go to one school, cannot attend multiple schools in the same time. A teacher can only teach, let's say, a subject or maybe two, but have an exclusive agreement to teach mm. in that school, in that physical place, not yeah. from across the world, right? Yeah. And the list goes on and on and on and on. But yeah. the system became so exclusive. And okay, if you want to also add the spices to all the whole thing, add the spices of examinations. It became also so exclusive, yeah, right? And absolutely. So it's it's been such an exclusive relationship, and over time, it became more and more and more. Which is that's not what education is intended for. You know, if you want to go back again, is to bring out the best from within. Yeah. To say, look, you know. You cannot read, you can, you, maybe for a reason you cannot be here, but you could be from Canada. Mm. You can teach the kids here. The kids here can learn from other school. The kid can, doesn't have to do five days, could do three days. Yeah. Choose the subject, yeah. could choose one day I'm only doing a music, the second day I'm doing that. Why do I bond myself to one? Yes, the physical presence is important, yeah. but doesn't have to be in the physical same place mm. every day with the same kids, with the same mm. teachers every day. Yeah. It could be with different teachers. Every every day could be with different kids. Yeah. Every day could be on the topic that. So that itself, for me, is the biggest 
disruption that this pandemic has, yes we were touching about distance learning or online learning mm-hmm. you can but we have never looked at the relationship yeah. that brings those parties together mm-hmm. and i think definitely whether it's next year or the year before we have seen this exclusivity has been broken or has been opened up and you're going to have maybe smaller number of teachers who picked up this and start teaching other kids or providing that other schools who start opening up but absolutely i think down the road to said i only go to one school every year or for my 18 years it's not going to happen if you as a teacher say i'm only going to teach in this school no, that's not going to happen you know i don't know i th- i think i think that is the biggest disruption that happened i don't know for the last maybe 100 years or so to our yes. education and as much needed it's, it's much much yes. needed thing because you know we talk about examination and and the side effect on it on the social and emotional we talk about uh, schools becoming maybe more exclusive more expensive because the infrastructure only because teacher mobilities and scarcity yeah. of teachers because yeah. we wanting them to be in one exclusive place or travel around the mm-hmm. world in one exclusive place or it's only combined with those who has those certificates and yeah. what not so yeah. there is a scarcity of teachers there is yeah. this and i think this is where i find it great for teachers because they can be anywhere and yeah. they can teach what they want mm-hmm. when they want how they want it it's up to the parents to also choose what mode they want to learn mm-hmm. it's up to the kids also when they become more mature to choose and and manage their time when you talk about self management yeah. as an employee well, well self management should start in a school of course and and and, and we've seen that with kids yeah. that are more mature they manage yes. uh, distance learning better but with younger ones maybe they don't so i think for me that that relationship or the disruption that's taking place is the biggest thing that this pandemic has has shown us Yeah, fascinating. And it I mean it really has thrown the cards up in the air, right? And as you say, it's it's quite exciting in terms of what might emerge from it. But also the those boundaries have gone maybe between countries and as well as that idea of also reaching places with high quality education that perhaps couldn't access it before. And I know Sheikh Mohammed was also working on that with the online school of the future to offer that high quality education online to places that didn't have access before that's the digital school and i work with the team but if you think about that the digital school was we in the last i don't know the last more than 10 years dubai cares we work together and, and we start building schools in the remote areas or that yeah. but with pandemic actually we couldn't do that anymore we couldn't so how do we reach out to those places and how do we go into yeah. to refugee camps well you know if technology is available somehow you can send the laptops you can send that to part you can provide the content so this is a much smarter way much profound way and deployment at, at no time sort of a thing so that's how we sort of now we're looking at the digital schooling in a different model because these are you know uh, places that desperately need education and, and the circumstances doesn't allow not only to build a school but doesn't allow teachers to go there yeah of course, so. of course. well we can zoom them in now right <laughs> yeah uh, absolutely absolutely no. thank you so much dr abdullah shukran uh, i really appreciate your time i know you're extremely busy so i just yeah i really appreciate thank you tim it. i i really enjoyed it because you know this is the kind of conversation you know where we we need more of right now and we need yeah. to talk about it and and it's not one right or wrong anymore it's about collectively to thinking and reflecting mm-hmm. 
and and we still learning because we still at the yeah. pandemic we're not finished. I mean, we could have now we talked about this what we learned. I don't know a few months we said hang on we get that one wrong. Let's unlearn that one at least learn yeah. again. So it's a very it's a very life situation, and I think yeah. you know it's sad you know the the, the loss of lives and the, the stress we have and the different social and economical factor. But I think we need to make sure it's also we learn from it and make yeah. sure it's, it's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. You know whatever we go through. So it's 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 yeah we. we yeah. I know for sure we're going to get out of this, but I I make sure that we get out of it better and stronger and and not only from, you know, medical side and having vaccine, but I think we should have the vaccine for our management, whether it's a schooling or whether it's government, what is the management vaccine (laughs) that whatever Christ comes my way, I don't have to deal with the same thing all over again. I will deal with something differently, but I think, you know, as, as we're thinking about as much as medical PCR tests and vaccine, we have to think about social and emotional PCR tests <laughs> and, uh, and vaccine to make sure we, we, we get out of this. Yeah? More prepared for the next time. Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank much you. pleasure. Bye-bye. 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 We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to continue the dialogues with our guests, with us on our blog or on social media, or within your own networks.